Adrift in the great void of space, the personnel on Moon Base Alpha have experienced so much that is strange and inexplicable. They have become accustomed to expecting the unexpected. Paul, did you hear that? You hear what? I don't hear anything unusual. Welcome to the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, a character-by-character look at the coolest heroes and villains that Marvel Comics has to offer. You can thank us later. For now, just listen. All right, digging the cool breeze, it is me, I see Robots, and I am here to talk about some mellow Marvel heroes. Well, not necessarily mellow, but this is like a mellow beat. Makes me think of uh, my man Venus Flytrap setting up at night at WKRP. Dude would sit back, he'd hit his gong, then he'd light some candles, maybe some incense, and he would just uh, get to grooving in the place to be. So anyhow, I'm not Venus Flytraps, my name is in fact Icy Robots, and I am here to talk about some of the dopest characters that Marvel Comics has to offer. In, uh, you know, in the previous few episodes, we've talked about some pretty fun characters. We talked about Purple Man, we talked about She-Hulk, we talked about uh, Luke Cage... Power Man. I almost said Purple Man twice instead of Power Man, but this week we're going to talk about someone and he might not be as big time as those other dudes even though those, you know, those dudes aren't like full on as big time as like Captain America or uh, Iron Man. This dude's not at that level, but he is somewhat interesting and he is in a way connected to a character we talked about in episode number two. That character is She-Hulk. And the character that we are going to talk about today is a dude known as Star Fox. Star Fox is an Avenger. He is also a, uh, he's a citizen of Titan. He is the brother of Thanos. Thanos is Thanos. Star Fox goes by the name of Eros. Uh, Star Fox was created by Jim Starlin. And he first appeared in Iron Man Number 55. Let's see what, um, that is not a comic I have. Let's hop on over to the eBay right here, and we will see what that, uh, what that comic might cost you. Um, I hope you guys can still hear me. I am away from the microphone. Um, Iron Man 55, and then I'll put Star Fox in there, so just, you know, to narrow it down a bit. Um, Let's go and check out the sold listings here. Um, hold on. Uh, let me go get my printout and we will take a peek. Somebody just sold, uh, well, this is a, a pretty good comic because not only is it the first appearance of Star Fox, it's also the first appearance of Thanos and also Drax the Destroyer who, uh, went on to, uh, be played by Big Dave Batista and to be inside of a Guardians of the Galaxy type movie. So I'm looking here and for a non-graded copy, one of them just sold maybe uh, eight to ten days back. It went up on open auction and it went for 659 bucks. I see one here for four, 405 bucks. Here's one not super fantastic shape for 295 Here's another one. This one's in not good shape at all. The cover's intact. It, you know, it's not torn, but it is a bit beat up, and somebody got 99 bucks for it. This is a good comic, but it's mostly it's mostly because of the first appearance of our boy Star Fox's older, cooler, 
uh, more evil brother Thanos. I think, uh, well, if he's not already, Thanos is fixing to become a big deal. He's going to be the big baddie in the uh, upcoming Avengers movies, and I I think that he's going to make some kind of an appearance in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So, while that comic is good, and you might think that there could be some like increase in value, I think that, I think right now, in my opinion, it's peaking. Uh I wouldn't pay anywhere in that range for it. It is a nice comic, and it is, you know, it's one that would really be nice in the collection, but you do, when you buy something, you do kind of want to think, will I be able to sell it for what I paid for it, uh, just in case I need to, because you never know, man. You do want to, when you, if you're going to spend a nice amount of money on something, you do want to just keep your options open to resell it, just in case, man, you never know what could happen in the future, and while I don't think of, you know, all my comics as investments, if I were to spend some money, I would want to, you know, I would, I, would, I would put some thought into it before I, before I did it. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's, you know, let's dig into our, uh, this guy Star Fox here. We're gonna, let's see, first of all, he has, he's kind of weird, weird looking guy. He has red hair with, um, some small horns. They're not horns, they're hair horns. I guess they're supposed to be like fox ears. He wears a full body suit. He has, he's mostly red with like a white triangle in the bottom and a yellow uh, fox-like logo. And he has some gauntlets on his wrist. His outfit has a collar, like a polo shirt. He's wearing some white gloves and white boots. Uh, not the coolest, toughest, most masculine look, but as we'll see going forward, it's not, it's not really a big deal for him, so... His real name is Eros, as we already know. His occupation is that of an adventurer. Man, that must be the number one occupation in the Marvel Universe. It's just either you're like a cop, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, or an adventurer. Um, His identity is publicly known, but not believed to be real by the general public. He is an Eternal from Titan. So, people, they've seen him. But they don't really, you know, they don't know if he's, like, the real deal. Like, he says that he's, you know, some kind of extraterrestrial, but people just aren't really sure. They don't know if he is a charlatan or not. He has no former aliases, and he was born on Titan, a moon of Saturn. That's nice. He uh, he lives on a moon much like myself. His marital marital status is single. He's, you know, he's, he's still out there. Um, he has a few known relatives, Alars... Alias Mentor, it's his father. He has his mother's name Susan Thanos. We know is his brother. He has an uncle named Zurus. Athena is his cousin, and Kronos, who I would imagine has something to do with time, is his grandfather. He uh, has a couple group. He is groups. He is affiliated with. Amongst them are the Eternals of Titan, and he is currently a probationary member of the Avengers. And his current base of operations is New York City. So he's kind of caught. I, I, I'm sorry. That was completely uncalled for. We did not need that Christopher Cross breakdown. But um, my parents, my folks, my beloved folks, they used to play so much Christopher Cross, I used to hear this song, I used to hear Sailing, oh my god, I used to hear all these Christopher Cross tunes, and just, 
anytime I, uh, I don't know, I can't help but reference it. It's just, it's, it's sadly Christopher Cross and his, uh, smooth flowing yacht rock is ingrained in my, uh, in my chromosome. So let's see what else do we know. He's trapped between the earth and New York City. He first appeared in Iron Man number 55. Let's take a look at the origin of Eros. Oop, dropped the comic again. I, I, you know, I need some kind of an easel or something. If you have an easel laying around that you don't need, uh, mail it to me. I would appreciate it. Um, Eros is the youngest son of two Titanian, Titanian Eternals, Alars and Susan. Sea Mentor and Titan, that's who they are. Originally called Aaron, Eros was given his current name, a Greek word meaning love, at the age of five when his parents noticed his prodigious, prodigious, prodigious interest in the opposite sex. Eros grew up at five. At five, he's already showing a prodigious interest in the opposite sex. What, what a guy. What what a masculine dude, despite his weird outfit. Eros grew up to be a fun-living, carefree womanizer, in contrast to his brother Thanos, a power-hungry schemer. Only when Thanos launched his first major attack against Titan, an attack that left their mother Susan dead, so what's up with that? He decides to attack his own planet, and, you know, his mother dies during the attack. I mean... I imagine that these guys on Titan have the ability to go to other worlds. Why did he choose to attack his own world? Maybe just, well, we know he's power hungry. He's a power hungry schemer. He probably, he probably, in fact, wanted to kill his own folks just because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be the one, dude. He wanted to wear the crown. Um, mm-mm-mm. After the attack, Eros began to take his life a bit more seriously. In subsequent campaigns against Thanos... Eros fought alongside Titan's hastily trained warriors. I wonder if that's what they're called. We're the hastily trained warriors of, uh, Titan, brother. Um, let's see, uh... Doo-doo-doo. Somehow managing to become one of his few survivors. What? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, he, uh, the hastily trained warriors, his, uh, ragtag unit. I know, he's probably got one who's, like, really good with explosives, and one who's really good with knives, and one who's kind of kind of the face man. I guess that would be Star Fox. He's kind of, you know, he's the face man of the group. And then you got, you got somebody with like a keen mind and then there has to be like a tough one, a strong one. This is all coming together. I get it. But they all died except for him. And he, uh, well, Eros joined the Kree, Captain Marvel and the Avengers and they handed Thanos his first major defeat. So his hastily trained warriors all bit the big one. Eros survived, and he went out there, and he got Captain Mar slash Vel. I wonder if that was some kind of a way to avoid having to infringe upon the uh, copyright of Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, who is uh, soon to have a movie with The Rock in it. I think The Rock is actually playing Black Adam. I don't believe that he's playing Shazam. I wonder who they are going to get to play Shazam. That's a good, good question. Who would I cast? I don't even know. Henry Clavel, because he's not the best Superman. Maybe he could, uh... (laughs) move over and be a better Captain Marvel. I doubt it. I doubt that. Uh, let's see. Who could be a good Captain Marvel? He kind of has, you know, how about Brandon Routh? Let's give him, uh, another shot at the big time. Brandon Routh, a.k.a. the Atom, a.k.a. the Superman around before Henry Clavel. Da, da, da. No longer bound by duty, 
Eros began to wander space, seeking out pleasure and recreation on humanoid-inhabited worlds. So dude's only going for humanoids. He's not gonna, you know, he's not, even though he does have a prodigious love of the ladies, he's not gonna, he's not gonna get with anybody who's not a humanoid. You gotta have a human-type form, no insectoids, insectoids, no uh, people who uh, appear to be, you know, horses, you know, none of that stuff. He's just... You gotta be human to get with this guy, or at least appear human. When Captain Marvel retreated to Titan to spend his final days of life, I guess, oh, that was when he, uh, he came down with cancer. It was one of, if not the first of Marvel's graphic novels, The Death of Captain Marvel. I have it. I have a first print of it, and, uh, when 2.0 was a baby, she took it off the bookshelf, and she drew all over it, and... While that did destroy the value, I kind of appreciate it more that some, for some reason, she was drawn to this and wanted to add to the art, even though, you know, her art skills weren't top-notch at the time. They were still, they had a folky, uh, folky charm. And, uh, Eros was summoned by his father, A. Lars, and he returned to Titan to help console his friend Marvel. Just before Marvel died, he made Eros promise to take care of his companion, Elysius, after he was gone. Eros did so for several weeks until Elysius, realizing his wanderlust, released him from his vow. So, he kind of, you know, he's a fun-loving dude, man. He can't be tied down by a kid. So, as soon as the kid's like, you know, Eros, I think it might be time for me to move on. Eros was like, do your thing, homie. Do your thing. Um, Eros then consulted Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, Titan's master computer for data on the most suitable planets for his needs and temperament. He's like, wait, man. Where's a good place for me to chill? They probably said Ryza, the pleasure planet Ryza, but, um, let's see. The computer recommended Earth. So traveling there, Eros visited the only people he knew, the Avengers, and he he petitioned them to become a member. He kind of, I bet he begged. The Avengers, you know, okay, we'll put you in the training program, and they gave him the code name Star Fox, not knowing that there was already a Nintendo game of that sort out there already. All right, my boys, let's, uh... Why did I say my boys? I always say my dudes. I don't even know where boys came from. All right, my dudes. Let's uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back to examine some of the powers Star Fox has and their controversial effects. Star Fox 64 test subject results. Stage 1, space combat mode. Stage 2, multiple interactive 3D environments. Stage 3, intra-squadron dogfighting. Stage 4, sudden jolt of rumble pack impact control sensor. Introducing Star Fox 64 with rumble pack, only for Nintendo 64. Conclusion, stimulus overload. Good game. I've, you know, I've never played Star Fox. I do have a Nintendo 64. I picked it up when the video store I was working at shut down. They sold off all their systems, and I got that one. It was cool. It's in good shape. It came with, like, four controllers and a hard uh, plastic carrying case. The kind, it was a rental unit. It's the one you would take home with you if you wanted to, uh, you know, have it for the weekend when you're having a party. You got some friends coming over. Getting rid of Star Fox. You're going to get some controls, some Twizzlers. You're going to drink, uh... Dr. Pepper through a Twizzler and play Star Fox, you know, till your head falls off. This is the unit you would take home. Um, and it came with a durable case for safety. I still got it. I don't even know if it's hooked up. Uh, we have, let's see, what do we have hooked up game-wise? I am not a big gamer. 
2.0 does like to play some games. We got a PlayStation 2 hooked up. We got a PlayStation 3 hooked up in her bedroom. She has one of those combination Super Nintendo, Nintendo uh, NES kind of things. We have that hooked up. There's a GameCube hooked up in the living room that she plays sometimes. I got to run through the VCR. It's on like a, a switch and you um you have to turn on the VCR and then set the switch to the right settings. I got it. Let's see what's on the switch. We got the GameCube is on one channel, the LaserDisc players on the other one, and then the cable so that I can tape TV shows for my boy and uh, send him tapes. We talked about that last episode and it's just kind of kind of something I'm into still. So I don't know. I've never played Star Fox. I guess that was the point of the story. So let's um let's take a look at some more of the specific uh pertinence and such of our guy Star Fox here. In this picture he's waving at us. I do not like the way he looks at all. Um Star Fox is six foot one. He weighs a buck ninety. He has blue eyes and red hair. His powers are thus Star Fox possesses several superhuman powers and capacities derived from his eternal ancestry. Unlike Earth-born Eternals, Titan-born Eternals do not possess the same self-regenerating cosmic life force. I don't, I don't even know what that means. Uh, da, 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 da. This is all just gibberish. I apologize for this. Uh, do, do, do. I don't, sometimes, like Marvel, they want to sound as if they're like hard sci-fi. And they write stuff that, to me, comes across as gibberish. When you start getting into, like, the, the uh, you know, eternal, Eternian descendants of whatever. I, I think I said Eternian, like he's a He-Man or Man-at-Arms. But I don't know. I just want to know what his uh, abilities are. And uh, I don't need to know about all of his descendants. Let's see. Star Fox is immune to all terrestrial disease. He has limited powers of cellular regeneration. He uh, has super strength. He can lift up to 15 tons. He's, he's stronger than uh, Luke Cage, who we learned about the other day. Um, he can fly at about 800 miles an hour, or Mach 1.3. That is pretty fast. Um, oh, he make sure. Star Fox should not be confused with the Olympian god named Eros or the Roman god named Cupid, even though they do share some abilities. Those abilities, oddly enough, are not listed in the handbook of the Marvel Universe. So we are going to actually go online and we are going to find out about this because it's important to the tale I am about to tell. And I hope that you... I hope that you can hear me because I'm about six feet away from the mic over here just uh, typing away looking for stuff. So um, I am on the Marvel Wikia. So let's see what else we can learn about him. He has an alias that of the Knave of Hearts. That's great. Pick yourself the name of a knave. Um, do, 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 do. Where are your goofy abilities, you goof? Oh, here they have a power grid. He has an intelligence score of 3, strength of 4, speed of 5, durability of 3, energy projection 3. His fighting skills are 3. So, if he's a 3 and he can lift 15 tons, that means that you and I are what? Like, 1.5, maybe 1 or something? Um, all Eternals have the capacity for superhuman strength. 
like all Eternals, he can run and move at speeds that are beyond the natural abilities of people. He has the power of immortality, an accelerated healing factor. This is so much better than the Handbook of the Marvel Universe. They don't get at all into uh, all this ancestry jib job that doesn't even matter. Okay, here is the power that is the most important one. He has the power of pleasure stimulation. That's right. Star Fox possesses the psionic ability to stimulate the pleasure centers of people within 25 feet of himself. This power, which emanates from him at all time, causes all other beings to feel good around him, which isn't bad, but it is a bit weird. By concentrating, he can magnify these emanations, provoking such extreme pleasurable sensations that a person becomes highly aroused. So, he has the power of... I'm just going to say it. He has the power of horniness. He can make people feel quite aroused when they are in his vicinity. So this leads me to the story that uh, that I would have about Star Fox if I had any. In an episode, I think it's actually a few episode series of She-Hulk. She-Hulk is working at a law firm that specializes in superhero cases. All right. And then one day a woman comes to her. And says, I believe I was date raped by Star Fox. Uh, And then another one comes. And then another one comes. And another one comes to them. And they're all saying the exact same thing. So they get Star Fox. And they're like, what is going on? He's just like, look, I have this ability. I have this thing that comes out of my body. And it just, if you, you know, if you get near it, if you smell it, if you smell my essence... You cannot help but do what I say. It's just not, it's not my fault that these women are falling for me. And it's not my fault that I am a prodigious lover of ladies. It's just who I am. I'm Eros, for gosh sakes. Uh, The people, the ladies that this has happened to, they get on the stand. And there's a woman who's talking about how her marriage fell apart because one day she was at a party and she saw... He was there. Eros was there. And she got near him. Next thing you know, they're in bed. And when it's over, she knows it happens. But she has no idea what what caused her to do this. And it, it, it led to her marriage crumbling. And then there's another woman who said her, her life has fallen apart because all she can think about is Star Fox. After, after she got near him and she got hit near his powers, all she can think about is is Star Fox. She can't control it. It's ruining her life. Then another person, she says, you know, her her relationship with, with the man she loves has fallen apart because she was seduced by the presence of Star Fox. So this guy has the power of, dare I say, uh, a roofie. He drugs you and then, well, he has his way with you. He is a prodigious lover of women. Uh, so they put him on the stand, and all the women in the audience start to swoon, and they can see that this is not the direction that they want to go. They don't they don't want his powers to affect him, so they end up having to put him in jail on a computer screen. And once he starts telling his stories without people, you know, being affected by his you know his abilities, they start to see that there's you know there's a lot of horrible stuff going on around uh, around Star Fox and. They're going to get ready. They're going to convict. And just as they are getting ready, the judge is going to put the gavel down. They're going to find this guy guilty. 
they're going to send him to the raft. They're going to send him to the prison they have in the microverse. Do you know that? Marvel has a prison where they use PIM particles to shrink the villains down to where they're like mini-mate size. So the prison itself is, you know, maybe as big as like a refrigerator box, but it houses thousands of shrunk-down villains. And dare I say they uh, escape, they can't do much because they are so small. I wonder, though, if a super small, super strong guy, for example, the Rhino escapes, he could get under your foot and he could flip you, I would imagine. He can't lift tons and tons, but he can lift, you know, the 200 pounds or whatever you are. So anyway, they are getting ready to convict. They are going to convict him and they're going to send him away. And then Titan and Thanos and all these people come down. Is his father named Titan? Mentor? I forget. I don't even care about these. I don't care. I just, I, I got to finish the story. They come down and they're like, look, you can't put a Titanian Eternal on human trial. Uh, this is wrong. We're taking him. So they just took him and they vanished. All these poor people were left with no closure. They were left with no judgment. And due to the fact that they, you know, they bounced, they boned out when, you know, when it was all going down, you have to think they knew that they were guilty of something. But then one also has to think, a normal person. Let's take somebody who is a Hollywood heartthrob, a, uh, a Brad Pitt, a George Clooney, and uh, an Icy Robots, for example. Just because, you know, they have this physical beauty, women will fall for them. It's, uh, you know, it's something that they, they can't help. I, mean, I guess they could beat themselves up and not be so beautiful, but they are, in fact, beautiful, and women fall for them. Does that mean that the, you know, the changes they're causing inside of a woman's libido just due to their beauty, does that mean that they're committing a crime? They, I, I don't think they are. So I wonder if... One can say that Star Fox is committing a crime. I think what's happening is terrible, but much like a Brad Pitt or an Icy Robots type, they can't control it. You know, people just, uh, it's like he has the Kavorka, as it were, like our man uh, Cosmo Crema has. Um, I don't know. I, they should probably ban him from Earth. It's probably for the best that he left. You know, his abilities are just too great for us normal uh, mortals. So, I don't know. That was all kind of an uncomfortable uh, talk, and I apologize if you felt a bit weird about it, because I didn't I didn't set out to talk about... I did set out to talk about these kind of things, but I didn't realize how real it would get when it comes to Star Fox. Anyway, I'm, uh... I'm gonna go wash my hands and get up out of here. This kind of... This kind of talk is making me feel a bit weird, so... This is me, I see Robots. This is the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, episode number four, for patrons only, for the real, true blood, real fans out there. This is for you, me, I see Robots. I'm getting up out of here, going to power down and head out to uh, try to feel clean. Peace. Until next time, make mine Marvel. This has been an Icy Robots Radio production.